Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio, another true story from True Story FM. I'm your host, Megan Strand with Engage for Good. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at engageforgood.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by Harbor Compliance. Harbor Compliance provides services and software to help nonprofits and businesses maintain compliance with federal, state, and local government licensing requirements. Check today's show notes for a link to get a free online fundraising compliance guide or visit harborcompliance.com to learn more. We're back with another special edition of Cause Talk Radio in which we feature a deep dive conversation with one of this year's Halo Award winners. This episode features the gold winner for the employee engagement category, an initiative from rail company CSX called Pride in Service. I'm joined today by Brian Tucker, CSX VP of Corporate Communications, as well as a live audience who weigh in with their own questions. We discuss the genesis of Pride in Service, how CSX determined that one in five of their employees served in the military, and the incredibly robust partnerships they activated to engage CSX employees in a cause dedicated to serving those who serve. We learn what CSX is doing to pivot in response to the COVID pandemic and where Brian hopes to take this initiative in the future. Hi, Brian. Welcome to Cause Talk Radio. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, thank you, Megan. Uh, it's it's a pleasure, my pleasure to be here and an honor to uh, represent uh, CSX. Well, first of all, congratulations on your Halo Award win. CSX Pride and Service took the gold Halo Award in the employee engagement category. And I know for me personally, it was such a robust and impressive campaign. So I'm very excited to have you here to talk a little bit more about it. Well, thanks. Uh, you know, this is... Uh... The Pride and Service program is, uh, you know, it's 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 been a labor of love for me and, and my entire team and the company. And um, it's really, you know, in terms of my career, it's the thing that I'm most proud of uh, so far. And um, we're just really grateful for Engage for Good for recognizing um, what the campaign stands for and everything that it's done so far. Amazing. Well, why don't we start off today, Brian? Just tell our listeners, our listeners, who you are and what you do at CSX. Uh, my name is Brian Tucker. I'm Vice President of Corporate Communications for CSX. And for those of you who are not familiar uh, with CSX, we are a premier uh, rail freight transportation company. Um, we uh, operate uh, in the eastern portion of the United States, so basically everything east of uh, the Mississippi River serving two-thirds of the country's population. And this is one of these campaigns, again, like we see a lot of consumer-facing campaigns that you're real familiar with, but when it comes to employee engagement, those tend to be a little bit more behind the scenes. So I think that was, it's always nice to hear about these campaigns that you've never heard of before and uh, to find out that there's like some really, really great social impact work happening. So um, in 2018, I want to go back a couple of years, um, CSX was just emerging from a period of some significant transition. So can you talk a little bit about what the company was facing at that time? Sure. I've been with the company now for about uh, two and a half years, um, almost three. And um, I came in right at right at the moment as we were facing significant change. Uh, there was a change in leadership. Um, we and the and the new leadership that was coming in uh, was they were installing a a, a new operating model um, and really instilling a new um, company culture. Uh, and any time a company is going through significant change like that, 
uh, as we all know, uh, change, uh, no matter what company or organization you're working in, it is very difficult for people, um, especially folks who've been with the company for a very long time, uh, who had grown accustomed to uh, an established culture uh, and, and a way of doing things. And, and any disruption to that or change, even if it's a change uh, for the better in terms of um, performance, um, things like that, it's very difficult for people. Um, so, you know, employees were going through a lot. And, you know, throughout the company, um, leadership, we were looking for ways to, um, you know, help re-engage employees um, and kind of just get some positivity back, um, you know, beyond kind of the the results of the, you know, operational changes uh, and the improvements to the financial performance of the company. And obviously, you know, one of the things or one of the levers that we can um, use, uh, you know, when we're trying to do that is, um, is uh, the, you know, the, the corporate philanthropy, uh, the community investment programs that we have. Um, and, and so that's what we really, when we, you know, started this journey of uh, recognizes, recognizing that we needed something as a catalyst to help kind of re-engage employees um, and kind of rebuild pride in the, in the, in the company. Um, you know, uh, the, the community investment program was one of those, uh, areas that we decided to focus on. And that's how we kind of began that process of trying to identify something, which ultimately became the CSX pride and service program. Well, and at that time you, it sounded like you had some community engagement, but it was a little bit scattered, which I think is very, very typical for companies. So how did you, you use the, what was existing, um, to get a fresh start with employees and to kind of find a new purpose for CSX? That's a, that's a great question. And I, and I have to say, you know, CSX, um, has always been recognized as a very strong, uh, has always had a leadership position, I think, in 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 corporate philanthropy, in uh, community investment. Um, there were many programs uh, that the company um, uh, was, uh, you know, had built over the years that were very robust um, and and effective. And and ultimately, you know, what we're all trying to do here is is making an impact in the communities where we operate. And that um, that was certainly the case when I when I came on board. But it was sort of, as you say, uh, it was not as focused uh, as, you know, obviously what is now Pride and Service. Um, and what we were trying to do and what we recognized was in order to kind of really engage folks uh, and get them proud about something, we needed to really have a hyper focus on, on an issue that resonated with as many people in our organization as possible so that we really could engage and build pride and, and get people kind of behind a common purpose, which, do, you know, shouldn't and doesn't take away anything from the previous programs that we had in place, uh, which were fantastic. But it's just a more kind of focused program that gives folks a common banner to rally uh, under. And um, that's what we set out to do when we were creating the program. Um, and it sounds like at that time, you also uncovered some really important insights. And I also appreciate the fact that you kind of 
went looking for insights instead of just being like, hey, my favorite cause is puppies. So we're going to do that, um, which definitely happens. Nothing against puppies. I love puppies. I have one myself. But um, you guys really did the work with your own community to kind of figure out what some of those meaningful purposes were. So can you talk about the insights that you found and maybe a little bit about how you got those insights? Absolutely. So, you know, you are absolutely right. Uh, One of the things that was very important uh, to me um, was making sure that whatever we whatever we were doing, because again, our focus really was on employees. Ultimately, whatever we chose to do would have an impact on communities, and we knew that it would because you know it would resonate with employees. It would you know it would be something that would make a difference in the communities where we operate. But it needed to have legitimacy. Um, It needed to be something that people cared about that that uh, was important to them so you know i'm fortunate to have a uh, a great team well team is is uh, you know maybe a little bit misleading more like a dynamic duo um uh, that that work uh, in in uh, corporate communications um who um kind of embarked on this journey with me um and we went out and and uh, worked with our friends um at edelman um who really helped make sure that um, we unturned every stone to identify a cause that resonated with our employees, resonated with our communities, and was actually addressing a societal issue that was uh, th- that was important. Because there are a myriad, as we all know, um, of issues that are important and and that need to be a- that you know need addressing. Um, but we wanted to find that sweet spot of, of one that, you know, resonated with our employees, uh, was something that was important to the communities where we operate, um, and, um, you know, addressed a, an, an important societal issue. And that's, you know, we, we did significant research on, um, different issues, asked uh, our employees, groups of our employees. We sent out surveys, we held focus groups, um, you know, testing some of the issues and, and kind of, poking around and finding out, um, you know, what really resonated with people. And, and, you know, as we, as we went through this process and it was, you know, a fairly uh, significant, um, undertaking, uh, you know, we narrowed down the scope further and further, um, and ultimately came up with a few options. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it was, you know, through our engagement with our employees, it, it became clear which one, uh, you know, would really, really resonate with them, uh, and which, you know, which one would really make them proud in it. And it ultimately was CSX pride and service, which I haven't really talked about yet. And I know that you've all seen the the link, um, that, uh, Megan put up on the, um, on the screen, but, um, the CSX pride and service is, is very simple. Essentially, uh, it's a program designed, uh, to recognize and support the men and women who serve our country and our communities so selflessly. Every day, I'm talking about uh, veterans, active duty, military members, and their family, uh, and first responders, and, and ultimately, uh, as we've seen this year, uh, our frontline responders um, here in this in the context of uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic. And wasn't something like one in five of your employees, you know, former active duty military, or you know, had a family member? What what was that statistic? Something about. I'm I'm botching it here. I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, no, no. That's no. It's pretty good. Uh, it's it's one in five of our employees um, has served in some capacity. 
either as, a, as either as a service member in the military or as a first responder. We actually employ our own police force um, at CSX, as 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 many uh, Class One railroad companies do, uh, given the size and the uh, uh, the you know the expanse and the nature of our infrastructure that we uh, that we own you know across the country. Um, and uh, so we own, we 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 have our own we employ our own police force, uh, and we also have a lot of folks um, who are um, you know former. Um, uh, first responders with fire departments uh, that we have in our in our hazardous materials group, um, and you know there's something about service, military service that just really translates uh, to the railroad. Uh, we were uh, surprised, and, and some people may not be surprised who 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 know a few railroaders, but you know it, it was amazing to see how many veterans and uh, reserve members that that are currently employed. Um, at our company. So this was something that was naturally very, very near and dear to our employees' hearts. And, you know, those are just the folks that were actually service members. You know, when you expand that and include family members, uh, families of veterans, it is just a much bigger group. So, it, you know, it's something that really people can relate to or people can connect to. So that was a very important part of this, uh, this program. It's just, it, you know, it's part of our DNA. We understand and, and uh, we appreciate uh, the sacrifices that these folks and, and especially their families are making. But we also understand uh, we kind of have a kinship with these folks because we also serve the country in some capacity every day. Our men and women are, are delivering the country's goods. We're keeping the lights on with, uh, by delivering fuel, by delivering chlorine to, uh, to water treatment plants so people can have potable water. Uh, we're keeping the shelves filled, and this has never been on on display uh, more than more than right now in the current situation. Our railroaders are essential workers, and uh, they are on the front lines working every day. Thousands of railroaders across this country. We hear a lot about the truckers, uh, and that sort of gets our uh, gets our railroaders backs up a little bit. <laughs> we don't hear enough about our our railroaders, but they're out there working for us uh, every day. How many employees do you have at CSX? We have a little over 20,000 employees across our company. Okay. So you uh, had some changes going on in 2018. You decided to shift your focus. You did a lot of work talking to employees, figuring out what the new purpose would be. It turns out it's going to be military, active duty, and veterans, things like that. So if you could describe what Pride in Service is in just like a sentence or two, this campaign, this initiative, how how would you describe that, Brian? Well, the simplest that I can boil it down to is serving those who serve. Um, you know, in this space that may be a bit cliche, but that's really what it's all about. Um, you know, there are, uh, many facets of the campaign of the program. Um, and we chose our partners. We have five excellent, uh, unbelievable partners that we work with. Um, Blue Star Families, Operation Homefront, Operation Gratitude, First Responders Children's Foundation. And of course, the War- Wounded Warrior Project, and each each of these organizations kind of uh, help us address specific objectives that we have for the campaign. Uh, but ultimately, you know, we're we're, we're trying to um, provide support for men and women who serve and their families, providing them with um, the support when they need it and where they need it. Today's podcast is brought to you by Harbor Compliance. 
Did you know that 41 states currently require nonprofits to register to solicit their residents? And that once registered, nonprofits must report regularly to each state to maintain good standing? Well, what qualifies as solicitation, you might ask? Many states consider online fundraising activities such as email, website donate now buttons, peer-to-peer fundraising, and social media crowdfunding campaigns to be solicitations. Harbor Compliance can help. With deep industry expertise, providing turnkey solutions to clients of every size in every state and from 25 countries, Harbor Compliance empowers nonprofits to focus on their missions and businesses to focus on their bottom line. Check today's show notes for a link to get a free online fundraising compliance guide or visit harborcompliance.com to learn more. Um, So speaking of the nonprofit organizations that you partnered with, could you talk about some of the activations that you created to engage employees and then serve military vets and their families? Maybe give us just a couple examples. Sure, sure. So uh, like I said, the the main focus of the program obviously is to impact this, this group of this group of people address this the the issues that we found and I'll talk a little bit about those issues you know when we were doing our research we we found that you know military families um uh and, and first responders families you know they deal with a lot of issues and, and they make a lot of sacrifices that civilian populations just don't understand um you know uh, there is a definitely a um a disconnect between the hardships that they endure and, you know, there's just not a, 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 an awareness of those things uh, in the civilian population. They feel disconnected. Um, they have severe financial hardships. Uh, their children are moving um, um, constantly, uh, which just uh, exacerbates these, these hardships. Um, so, you know, there are many issues that, you know, that we are trying to address through the program. And that's the number one objective is to address those issues for these folks. And, you know, the second objective is, is to engage our employees by addressing these issues and getting them involved and giving them something to stand behind. So, you know, with many of the partners that we have, I mean, a lot of the activations that we've been able to do are focused on providing opportunities for our employees to work with these partners um, to, to serve uh, the families and the men and women who serve. So, for instance, when we kicked when we kicked this program off through with Operation Gratitude, um, which is which is one of the largest um, um, organizations uh, that uh, uh, provide opportunities for employee volunteerism in the country, um, we got our uh, Jacksonville headquarters employees together before Christmas, and we packed on an, in an afternoon ten thousand care packages for deployed troops, um, and this was the first kind of kickoff for this program and to see, um, you know, uh, the pride and the, the gratitude and the faces of our employees coming together, uh, for the first time in a long time, uh, frankly, uh, because of the changes that I talked about, um, you know, that we were going through as a company was just really gratifying and really kind of, um, you know, set us up for, for, for more of those that we rolled out, uh, the next year in 2019, uh, we were in Baltimore, we were in Cincinnati. Um, it, it was just amazing Nashville. I mean, uh, these, and, and each stop we packed 10,000 care packages wow. either for, you know, the first one was for, um, deployed military members and the, the subsequent, um, the subsequent, uh, packing parties were 
for first responders that were actually then delivered by our employees to those police departments, fire departments, EMTs. Um, and it was just very gratifying to have them come out, participate as well in these packing parties, and then bring people from the community in uh, to exchange and trying to build that, the bridge that divide between um, the service uh, the service members and the community and, and of course our employees. That's just, you know, one example of what we're doing. We, we worked with, uh, Blue Star families to launch, um, community chapters in some of our, uh, what I would call hub communities. So again, in Nashville, Baltimore, Jacksonville, Chicago, um, we, we launched these Blue Star families chapters that, you know, serve as a resource for, um, military families in these communities helping provide resources for them so that they can, um, you know, find connections in those communities, um, activities for uh, spouses and, um, and their children, uh, as well as resources for spouse employment, which is a huge issue among um, service, uh, service members and their families. So these are just, a, you know, an example of, of some of the things that we've done with Wounded Warrior Project. We were the title sponsor and we are the title sponsor of their Carry Forward 5K, which is something that we helped launch here in Jacksonville, Florida, um, and also um, in Nashville, Tennessee, um, which uh, has been a great success, bringing, um, again, members of the community out to support uh, wounded veterans uh, uh, that the Wounded Warrior Project um, um, supports. Uh, you know, with Operation Homefront, we're providing uh, emergency grants uh, for um, service uh, service members and their family who are under, you know, severe hardships. They need help with um, utility payments, um, you know, mortgage payments, those types of things. Uh, and then, of course, with the First Responders Children's Foundation, uh, we're, we're providing scholarships for um, uh, the children of fallen or severely injured uh, first responders. Um, and uh, more recently, uh, emergency grants for COVID-19 frontline uh, frontline responders. All right. I'm going to unmute Joanne because she actually has a couple of questions, but I'm going to ask her to choose one because we have a couple of other people that would like to ask you a question as well. So I'm going to unmute you, Joanne, and then let you ask your question. Hi there. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the information, Brian. I have a quick question about what do you do to the for the employees who don't have a direct connection to the military or don't have a specific interest in that area? Do you do other activities or initiatives within your company so that other folks can also, also get involved in volunteering? Thank you. That's a, a an excellent question. Excellent question. I mean, obviously, when you are going uh, hyper focused like this, um, you know, we tried to find something that resonates with the majority of people. Something that we felt rec- uh, resonated with a lot of our employees. But you can never find something necessarily that um, that will have the impact uh, that you want, and also kind of just resonate with everybody. Um, so we have continued. Many of the kind of, um, I would say, uh, we, we, some of the significant partnerships that we've had with other organizations in the past um, to ensure that we uh, continue to provide opportunities for employees to be involved in their community. Um, we have a Dollars for Doers campaign, which, which is an incentive for people to, uh, to volunteer in the community uh, for the, you know, with the charity or the organization of their choice. Uh, we have an employee matching program, which is something that we used to limit uh, in terms of, you know, uh, a, a specific window during the year. Um, 
and we'd limit, you know, uh, to a, a specific uh, window in the year where we would match employee donations. Now we've expanded that to year long because we wanted to make sure. Uh, I think everyone is supportive of pride and service, but you're right. I mean, there are people who do not have that direct connection. They have their own causes that they are very passionate about. And we wanted to make sure that employees understood that the company um, supports them and their kind of, uh, and their commitment to work uh, and support the community, um, even if it may not be completely aligned under the umbrella of pride and service. So, you know, pride and service is, um, is a significant portion of our corporate philanthropy. It is not the entire, um, it is not the entire program. It's what we talk most about because we are, you know, trying again, trying to raise awareness for the program and, and, um, and, um, but there are many other things that we're doing. Uh, and we work very hard to make sure employees are uh, aware of opportunities that may exist. Uh, we have a, a portal internally that um, provides, um, uh, you know, a calendar of events for employees, uh, make them aware of different volunteer opportunities uh, that they can participate in there in, in our various communities. So that's a great question, something that we were very sensitive to. Um, and um, we've tried to address uh, through, you know, how we've rolled out the program. Um, Livy's got a question for you. And uh, just keep in mind that you are talking to a an audience of practitioners. So this is a little bit of a nitty gritty question, which I think is awesome. So Livy, I'm going to let you talk and ask your question. I wanted to know, do you have a digital platform that your employees use to do their giving or their volunteer engagement? And if yes, is that something that you created internally? Or are you using one of the third party vendors that are available? That is a nitty gritty question. Uh, and one that I will not, and one that I will probably butcher. And, um, um, but the answer to your question is yes, we do have a, a, we do have a digital platform and I do not believe that it is something that we created in house. I believe we use a third party vendor for that. Um, um, but I can't off the top of my head, I can't name that third party vendor. That's something that my team, uh, administers and, uh, Unfortunately, I, I can't recall the name of it, but it is a third-party vendor. And yes, we do provide um, an opportunity for employees to log on to our internal uh, gateway, which is our intranet, and um, and log their hours, uh, search for um, volunteer opportunities, and, um, and and also you know apply for you know those matching uh, uh, those matching grants uh, for uh, the employee matching grant program. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how your employees have responded to this new focus. You talked about it a little bit with Joanne's question about, you know, having another focus, but I would imagine that part of pride and service um, is also making other employees who don't have the familiarity with the military community or veterans in their own lives, you know, that there are, there is a need in their community and there is a need among coworkers. So what's, what's the response been internally to pride and service? The response has been tremendous. I mean, um, there was a lot of excitement uh, when we launched, uh, and every time that we had an opportunity um, uh, to hold an event uh, that brought employees together, the enthusiasm um, was tremendous. Uh, we've gotten a lot of unsolicited positive feedback from from many employees, but I think you know when we when we have the events and. Um, Employees are driving hours and hours um, to attend one of these events on a Saturday 
um, to donate their time uh, to uh, help one of our partners, uh, you know, that, that just says it all to me. I mean, we, when we were in Baltimore, I mean, we had people driving up from North Carolina, from Richmond, Virginia, uh, just to spend the afternoon on, on a Saturday with their colleagues uh, from that area, you know, doing something that just made them feel good. Um, and, um, and you could see the enthusiasm. And when they see their leaders, their executive leaders engaging as well, um, and the impact, the direct impact that it has on the folks that, um, that we're serving, um, you know, seeing the families come out, it's just tremendous. Uh, it's just tremendous. Um, you know, we, there are a number of other things that we've done that, uh, that I haven't mentioned. You know, we have these smaller kind of an engagement, um, activities where we have these, uh, what we call back to school brigades where m- military, uh, families come in and, and, um, you know, a big issue for them is, is, uh, getting school supplies. Uh, if they're moving around and they, you know, they're moving to a new, new city, they may not be set up, but they need to get school supplies. And what we provide those for those families, um, and just seeing the kids go around and, and collect their, their, their school supplies and the, and the difference that, that makes for those families who are kind of, you know, they're serving us every day. And it, it's just, it's the least that we can do. Uh, to kind of honor and recognize what they're doing for us. Um, and um, it's just very, very gratifying. And and for many of our employees who experienced those things um, when they weren't civilians, um, you know, it just really resonates with them. Um, so as I mentioned, there are definitely practitioners that are part of our community that, you know, do these types of programs and try to in- engage their own employees, or maybe they're a nonprofit working with a corporate partner to engage their employees. So um, you've created this program from the ground up for the past several years. It's clearly a very robust program. What would you say, Brian, are your own personal lessons learned? Like if you had to go back and do this all over again, what would you have done a little differently? What would you have done quicker? What would you have not done? Like what are the lessons learned you can personally reflect on? Um, as it relates to pride and service? Well, with this program, I mean, we've really tried to, uh, you know, we approached this um, with a great amount of care and um, patience to make sure that we got it right. You know, one of the areas that we are trying to focus more and more on is, you know, beyond the support that we're providing for the service members and their families um, is, you know, uh, you know, what, how can we have this program create value beyond just just you know good you know uh, goodwill uh, in our communities and a source of pride for our employees? What what can we do with this program so that it creates value for the company? How can we have this program impact, for instance, our uh, military recruitment? Uh, and those are some of the things that we are doing. Um, but I think you know is sort of kind of the next frontier for us with this program. We're already working with with uh, you know uh, Wounded Warrior Project and other other organizations in our communities that you know fit under the Pride and Service uh, banner, but aren't necessarily one of our five flagship partners. We're all working with a number of organizations that um, you know where we are helping uh, transition um, veterans into the workforce, uh, and hopefully it's you know our workforce. So those are things that I think that we can we can do even better working with our internal partners in HR and recruitment to make sure that uh, through this program we are really uh l- you know leveraging it to um to make a difference uh and kind of 
you know, continue to contribute to the, the diversity of our organization. And um, I just think it makes the connection with the Pride and Service Program, you know, that much more um, robust. Well, Brittany Garcia has a question that I would have asked you myself. So I'm going to let her ask you. Um, Brittany, you, you might have to unmute yourself to ask your question, but you should be able to talk now. First and foremost, um, I'm a military spouse, so it's very near and dear to my heart, everything that you're saying. So thank you for all the work that you do. Um, I can tell you that it's very impactful. Well, thank you. Um, my question to you is, obviously, we're not always, or the hope is that we don't always live in a world where COVID-19 is happening. But how have you uh, pivoted to or alongside your partners to really keep your employees engaged? And what do those opportunities look like? That's an awesome question. Um, you know, we are fortunate to have tremendous, tremendous partners. I mean, that, that has made all the difference with this program. Um, and through our partners, you know, each one is addressing this issue um, a little bit differently. Um, but, you know, that's a great question because I, obviously, you know, the, one of the main objectives was to engage employees and get them involved in rolling up their sleeves and contributing to this, to this cause. And we can't do that in an environment where we need to social distance, we need to self-quarantine. Um, so we've worked with our partners to offer opportunities for employees to do some virtual volunteerism. Uh, we've created, um, you know, one of the things that we do with Operation Gratitude uh, is that each care package that goes out to a service member um, contains a number of donated items from, from a lot of Operation Gratitude's other partners, you know, and that includes Mars, um, you know, Starbucks, for instance. But what, go, what else goes in those pouches are handwritten letters from grateful Americans uh, that go along with these care packages. And from what I hear from service members that receive them, uh, and the first responders that receive them, those are the most precious items in those care packages. Handwritten letters expressing gratitude for what they're doing uh, for all of us every day. Um, and so what we've done is usually those are handwritten letters, um, but um, we've we've built a, um, with Operation Gratitude, we've built a, kind of a virtual version of it that people can either use, you know, do on their iPads and, and draw or just take pictures with their cell phone, send those in, they're printed out, and then those are included in the care packages as they go out uh, to uh, to the the groups that are receiving them. We are still doing deliveries. One of the things that we beefed up uh, with Operation Gratitude, we're not able to do the packing parties, but because we're a transportation company, we've donated space on our containers, our intermodal containers, and we've actually moved, done in-kind moves from Operation Gratitude's warehouse in Los Angeles across the country. Uh, to Eastern Pennsylvania, to a large network of hospitals there. We just did one last week with, um, with Chicago. Uh, and we, um, you know, it, obviously the, it reduces the amount of employees that can be involved, but through the virtual volunteerism, the handwriting, the handwritten letters, and then getting our, you know, operations employees involved, uh, with the transportation solutions. And that's just the way, um, that we're able to, um, to continue to support and continue the mission that we've set for ourselves, even in this environment. Um, with First Responders Children's Foundation, we set up, um, we were, uh, we helped, uh, you know, kind of transition some of the funds that had been dedicated to the work that we were going to be doing this year, transitioned it to a fund for COVID-19. Uh, it was a COVID-19 relief fund. And 
days after that was set up, it was announced as um, the uh, beneficiary of that first kind of um, uh, that Elton John uh, concert at home that was done very early on in the COVID pan- COVID nineteen pandemic, and it has just taken off from there. Um, but we we helped them set that up, and it's given employees something to be proud of and something that they can contribute to. And these are just a couple of examples of how we've pivoted. Uh, and we've been able, you know, our partners have allowed us to be flexible with some of the, uh, the, the, the funds that we've dedicated for these programs, shifting them a little bit so that we can continue serving the, our, you know, serving these folks, um, you know, with a little bit of a different, um, uh, you know, a little bit of a, uh, you know, uh, in an adjusted way. Fantastic. That's also really, really fascinating and great job pivoting and being creative during this time. Um, I'm going to let Kelly ask our last question today. So Kelly, I'm going to unmute you and you might have to unmute yourself to be able to ask Brian your question. Hello. Good afternoon, Brian. Good afternoon. First, congratulations on your award. We are sitting in Halo Award royalty territory today. So thanks for sharing your time. Um, one of the things that I heard you say was that you um, you know, have employees volunteering not only during work hours, but also on the weekends. So could you talk to us a little bit about your volunteer time off policy and how, how you coordinate that, especially with weekend events and, and um, you know, how many hours you give your folks and such? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we try to, um, you know, we... We're a 24/7 operation, which which many companies are. So we try as much as we can to um, provide opportunities for employees at times where um, you know they're able to donate their personal time, and it's not you know it's not time off um, necessarily. Um, you know we um, we're a tightly run ship, and um, time is precious. So. Um, you know, we, we just try to identify, you know, whether it's a time in the calendar or a time of the week where most of, you know, a majority of employees can, can, can come together on their own time. Um, that's, you know, we try to do it. We try to do it that way. Um, and, and in many cases, we've been successful. Obviously, you know, there are, you know, we, we do get some feedback from employees, you know, that, um, that would like to participate and, and, are unable to because of, uh, because of their schedules. And, you know, we, we take that feedback and, and, and we, you know, we try to do either better next time or, uh, you know, provide them with additional opportunities that they may be able to participate, uh, in the future. Um, but that's, um, you know, that's, that's how we try to do that. It you know, it can be tricky. I mean, uh, especially when we go out into the field, um, you know, pencil pushers like me, uh, in, in Jacksonville, um, you know, we're, we're HQ employees. Uh, we have the benefit of, well, supposed to have the weekends off. Obviously, many of us are working a lot, uh, you know, all the time, especially now, nowadays. But, um, we have the luxury of being able to kind of have our weekends free and, and donating is, uh, our time is not as much of an issue as, you know, going out to, you know, Baltimore, or Nashville or Huntington, West Virginia or someplace like that, Waycross, Georgia, uh, where many of the operation, you know, uh, many of the employees are operations folks who are working you know, um, it's a 24 hour operation. So that, that is a challenge for us. Um, and something that, uh, we try to, uh, we try to allow people to, um, we try to schedule our events when the majority of people can, can participate and also provide transportation to and from these events if we can. Um, but that, that's how we address that. That's a great question though. Fantastic. 
Well, Brian, thank you so, so much for joining us on this episode of Cause Talk Radio. Thanks to all of you who joined in as well to ask your fantastic questions. Congratulations again on your Halo Award win. Brian, if people want to find out more about CSX Pride and Service online, how would they do that? Uh, you just go to our website, csx.com, and, and in, Pride and Service is always front and center on our on our homepage. Fantastic. And for those of you listening online to the Cause Talk Radio podcast, you can find show notes for today's episode at engageforgood.com, where we'll also share a write-up of this fantastic program, as well as the link that Brian just mentioned. So thanks again to all of you who joined us today on this episode of Cause Talk Radio, and we'll look forward to following your success in the future, Brian. Thank you very much. Cause Talk Radio. It's a true story.